Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. Let me ask you a question. Show of hands. How, if you, how many of you like to win? Raise your hand if you like to win. Okay, well, most of you. If you don't like to win, that's a whole other sermon that you got issues with, and we'll talk about that a different time. How many of you would love for the uh, 49ers to win this coming weekend? Okay, a bunch of you, a bunch of you, yeah. I, I just, that's sh- shocking to me, but um, I guess I need to know my congregation. Paul asked a question in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. That's what we'll be today, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, if you want to turn on the YouVersion Bible app or turn in your physical Bible. 1 Corinthians 9, 27, Paul asked this question. He says, don't you realize that in a race, everybody runs, but then he asks questions, but only one person gets the prize, right? So run to, what's the word? Run to? Run to? Win. Paul didn't say just run to finish. He didn't say run for fun. He didn't say run to get a participation trophy. He said run to win. And to quote the famous theologian Ricky Bobby, if you ain't first, you're last. And if you're sitting there going, who's Ricky Bobby? Uh, Ask pretty much everybody else in the room. The Bible is clear, run to win. Paul said this also in first, at Philippians chapter three, he said, I press on towards the goal to what? To? To win the prize. But here's my question. Why does it feel like so many of us in our lives, man, we're just not winning? When you get real and get honest with yourself, you look inside and go, man, it doesn't feel like I'm always winning. Why does it feel so often that I'm not winning spiritually? I mean, I try to get close to God. I take two steps forward, but it seems like then I take three steps back. Why does it feel like I'm not winning financially? No matter how hard I try, I can't seem to get ahead. Why does it feel like I'm losing relationally? All I want is real and genuine and lasting and trusting relationships. And yet so often I'm trying, we're trying to get close to people, and yet we struggle with our friendships, with our marriages, with our kids, our coworkers, our neighbors, and we struggle to have that closeness. Why is it that we can't seem to be victorious and overcome in our minds or our hearts? I mean, we say to ourselves, man, I'm trying to think Christ-like thoughts, and yet I, you find yourself, I find myself when we're battling with anxiety and we're our, our minds, our hearts are in knots and we're worried all the time. If we're supposed to run to win, why aren't we winning? Why aren't we winning? Well, the answer for many of us, it's because we've been trying, you've been trying way too long. You've been trying too long. In fact, we hear it in our language all the time. I'm trying to get close to God. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to read my Bible. I'm trying to be consistent about pray, uh, praying. I'm trying to be patient with the kids. I'm trying to stop procrastinating. I'm trying to eat better, but the fridge keeps calling out to me at night, right? I'm trying not to make excuse. I'm trying to go to bed at a decent hour, but the evil spirit of Netflix calls me back in. 
I'm trying to exercise. I'm trying to get better with my money. The problem is all the time that we spend trying, you aren't winning because you're trying all the time. And so today I want to look at a powerful concept, a powerful perspective from God's word to help you win. Because Paul said, run to what? Run to? One, run to win. One, run to win. So today, I want to help you think about this idea of change differently. To help you think about becoming better, think about it from a different perspective. And so for one last time as we wrap up this series today, I, I want to do a quick, quick review because, again, we've been building on some principles each week. And the first uh, thought that we said was that real and lasting change is not behavior modification. It's bigger. It's more than that. It's actual spiritual transformation. If you change your outward behavior, but if you're not allowing God to change your heart, then it won't last the only lasting opportunity is to let God do his work in us, in our heart, that leads to spiritual transformation. And so we talked about this idea of our identity. Why do you typically do what you do? You typically do what you do because of what you think of you. It's your whole identity thing. And your identity is actually what's driving your behavior. And that's why we said that first week. We talked about your spiritual who. Who do you want to become? But more importantly, who does God want you to become? Who does God want you to be? It's your spiritual who. And then we talked about this idea of having an, a spiritual why. And so we asked the question, what is your spiritual why? So you're not just trying to, you know, get healthy so that you can look good. No, no, no. You have a spiritual why you're trying to get healthy because you want to honor God with your body, the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're not just trying to get better with your money. It's not just behavior modification. No, no, no. You're, you say, hey, I have a spiritual why. I want to honor God with the resources that he's entrusted in my care. I want to be a good and wise steward. And so you have a spiritual why attached to it. There's a worldly why, of course, that you're always going to have that, but it's just your spiritual why that leads to spiritual transformation. Spiritual who? Spiritual why. Then we talked about our spiritual what. What are the habits that you are going to create and put into your life to become the person that God wants you to become? What habits are you going to engage in that will lead to a life that most pleases God? And so we ask the question, based on who you want to become, what is the one habit for you that you will start? And hopefully you've engaged in that in this last week. Your spiritual who, your spiritual why, your spiritual what. And today we have our spiritual how. Our spiritual how. How do we actually change? How do we actually become better? How do we actually become the better version of ourselves that we desire, people around us desire for us, but most importantly, that God desires for us? Well, the key, how do you change? It's two key words. Stop and start. Stop and start. How do we change? We want to stop trying. Everybody say, stop trying. We want to stop trying. Trying doesn't work. Trying is a recipe for failure. How do we change? We stop trying and we start training. Everybody say start training. Start training. We stop trying and we start training. When Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, he said run to win, 
He was talking to a group of people in the city of Corinth. The letter was written to the Christians in Corinth. They understood the, the language he's using here and that he's going to use and the metaphors he's going to use in the next couple verses. Now, why would they clearly understand what he was talking about? Well, quick, quick, quick background. Uh, Corinth was a city in Greece. And every four years, the Greeks hosted the Olympic Games. And because Greeks love competition so much, every two years they also had what were called the Isthmian Games, and the Isthmian Games took place in the city of Corinth. It was kind of like a smaller version of the Olympics, you know, kind of like even today you have the Olympics and I think you have the world, the worlds or whatever they're called. And so at these Isthmian Games, you would have chariot races and you would have runners and you would have boxing and wrestling, and believe it or not, you would even have poetry contests. Yes, actual poetry contests. I don't know why. I don't know if someone spoke up and said, yeah, all these physical things, what about the rest of us? And so someone said, hey, let's do poetry. I, I don't know how it came about, but they did poetry contests. So the Corinthians, they would have really been leaning in when Paul made the statement in verse 24, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize, so run to win? Man, they would have been like tuned into this. In fact, many scholars believe that Paul was in Corinth in A.D. 51 when the Isthmian Games took place there. And many people believe he was actually there. Now, I want you to notice in verse 25 what Paul says. Next, he says, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25, he says, All athletes are disciplined in their trying. Is that what it says? No, no, all athletes are disciplined in their what? In their? Yeah, their training. In other words, if you want to change, if you want to be a better version of you, it's time to stop trying, and it's time to start training. Paul goes on, verse 25, they do it, in other words, these athletes, they train, they do it to win a prize that will fade away. He's talking about that leafy wreath that they would, you know, if they were the winner, that they would be crowned with temporarily, and it was temporary, and Paul's language, you know, eventually it'd kind of wither and, and blow away, it'd fade away. But we train, we run, Paul says, to win what? Verse 25, we do it for an eternal prize. We as followers of Jesus, we don't just try, we train. And we train for something that's not temporary, we train for an eternal prize. We go after something that's so far beyond just this life, we train for a prize that is going to last forever. And then Paul says in verse 26, and so I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, here's the word again, training it to do what it should. Paul is saying here that Jesus followers, they enter into a lifetime of training. They cast aside the trying and they begin training. And it's a lifetime, lifelong training that they enter into. You can change. You can become a better version of you that you want and God wants for you. How? You stop trying and you start training. You train for a prize that lasts forever. Trying is a recipe for failure. Now personally, I strongly dislike the the language that people use, well, I'm trying my best. 
hear people say that all the time. And, and uh, my inside voice, when people say, oh, I'm trying my best, inside voice that I don't say out loud until now is, I don't really give a rip about your trying. Like, I don't. I, I, I don't. Why? Because I want to know what plan have you put in place to succeed? I want to know what steps are you taking to win? What's your process? What are your repeatable behaviors? I don't give a rip about your trying because trying is a recipe for failure. We want to win. In other words, don't try to do your best. Do your best. And your best happens when you train. Trying is a recipe for failure. It's a recipe for failure. It's a recipe for losing. Trying, but training, man, that's the recipe for success. Training is the recipe for winning. What did that other famous theologian Yoda say? Do or do not, there is no trying. Back to the Isthmian and Olympic Games. The athletes, they'd usually go into about a 10-month pre-event training regimen. And they followed like strict diet. They'd cut out my three favorites, the three C's, candy, chocolate, and chips, right? They just cut it out. It wasn't in there, which is why I would have done the poetry, right? But anyways. <laughs> so they would train physically for 10 months. The runners in their training, by the way, when they ran, they, seriously, they would run buck naked. Seriously, they ran it. Now, they did it for a couple of reasons. One's the Greeks just loved the human body, and so they saw it as the, uh, you know, they ran naked because it was the purity of the body. But also, they would do it because they didn't want anything restrictions holding them back so that they could run faster. They didn't have compression shorts. They had togas, right? And so they needed, they were like, we're going naked. <laughs> Running naked, talk about a motivation to train and eat right. <laughs> right? And, and for the record, I am not endorsing you ever running naked. <laughs> I've preached enough for enough decades to know somebody, if I didn't just say that statement, someone would say, the pastor said I got to start running naked. <laughs> no. But I will tell you what my dad used to say, the best way to diet is eat in front of the mirror naked, but that's between you and... <laughs> All right, enough naked talk. <laughs> Wrestlers entered into a brutal training. Wrestlers in the summer, in the heat of summer, they would train at the hottest time of the day outside. In the winter, and they did it purposely. In the winter, they would when it was snowing or raining or hail or sleet, they would make sure they did their training at the worst time, the coldest time of the day when there was the most amount of snow. Wrestlers, they would actually wrestle bulls and horses and even lions to prepare themselves, to which I'm thinking that's again why they came up with poetry as one of the options. <laughs> I can tell you this, there is no way you would wrestle bulls and lions and horses as part of your training if you were going after a participation trophy. There's no way. If you're training in the way that they did, why would you do that? Because you're training to what? To win. So when you and I, when we say that we want to change, 
that we want to be better spiritually, that we want to be more godly. The Bible doesn't tell us to try and be more godly. The Bible doesn't tell us, you know, to try to honor God with your faith, try to honor God with your wealth, try to do the best you can. The Bible doesn't tell you to try to be more healthy or try to be more disciplined or try to be more like Christ. No, no. First Timothy chapter 4, Paul says, don't try. He says, instead, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself. Why? Because he says physical training, that's good. It's not a bad thing to do. But training for godliness is much, what's the word? Better. Why? Man, that promises benefits. You get benefits in this life. It's not even just eternal. You train for godliness, that's beneficial to you in this life and, he says, in the life to come. A few years ago, I had an opportunity to be on a, on, on a, a private little conference call with uh, pastor, author, theologian, uh, John Ortberg, myself and about 10 other pastors. And Ortberg um, is, a, is a remarkable guy, and, and he talks a lot about the topic of spiritual transformation. He might be, you know, if maybe the previous generation, you kind of had Dallas Willard, Ortberg might kind of be the Dallas Willard of kind of the current de- generation, for those who know what I'm talking about. But, but again, for him, it's not about behavior modification, it's about spiritual transformation. And, and Ortberg says the single most important principle that he knows regarding spiritual transformation deals with the trying training principle. And he says this in his book, The Life You've Always Wanted. He said, spiritual transformation is not a matter of trying harder but of training wisely. Physical training, it's good for you. Paul says, Ortberg says, many others say, but training for godliness is better. We are not trying. We are training. We are not trying. We are training. You are not trying. It's time to end the try, train, and get off it. It's time to start training. Some of you might be wondering, okay, I hear you, Pastor, but trying training, is there really a difference? Oh, you better believe there is. What's trying? Trying is an attempt to change with very little commitment, with very little uh, uh, um, minimal commitment, if you will. When you're trying, you know what that is? That's a half-hearted attempt. You've, when you're trying, you've already built in the I'm going to quit excuse, because you're going to try. Well, I'm going to try and pray more, which is, a rest, which is basically saying you're not going to pray more. Well, I'm going to try to read the Bible more. No, no, no. You're, you're not going to read the Bible more. Because again, I'm going to try. When the going gets tough, when it gets difficult, we quit. We give up. And then we say, well, I tried. I tried. I tried to read my Bible. But you were rushing, TV called you, the phone called you, whatever the case may be. Trying is a feeble attempt to change with very little commitment. Training, it's a whole different mindset. Training is wholehearted commitment or devotion to actually go after and achieve something. It's an all-in commitment designed to bring about results that you desire. And listen, hear me on this. You already know the difference, don't you? You don't need someone to stand up here and tell you the difference. You already know, even in your own difference, in your own life, excuse me, the difference between when you try and when you train. For example, when you're training, 
you and everybody else can see that there's a commitment, right? People can see it because one of the first things you do, if you're going to go into training, one of the things you do is you get the gear. Let me give you an example. Let's go back to the running. If you're training and for running, man, you go get the gear. You go to Fleet Feet. You get the right shoes for you running. You know, no more, you know, $19 shoes at Big Five. You're like, hey, I'm running. This is serious. I have, not that there's anything wrong with that, but if you're going to train for a marathon, you know you need some specific uh, shoes. You get the Garmin watch or the Apple watch. For the summer, you're like, man, I'm going to need a hat. I'm going to need sunglasses. You go all in with the gear. If you're training, it's a commitment, which means you get the gear. Try and set you up to fail. Training sets you up for success, to win. And Paul said, run to win. So what do you do? Get the gear. The second thing you do, and again, you can see it. You come up with, you create, you utilize a game plan, don't you? You get the gear and you have a plan. You get the gear, you have a plan. You know that you that if you fail the plan, you, what's the saying? You fail the plan, you're planning to fail, right? So you come up with a plan to succeed. Let's go back to running. You come up with a game plan. You're like, all right, well, I should download the Strava app. Make sure I have that on my phone and my devices. You schedule the time. Here's the days, here's the times that I'm going to run. If you're training for a marathon, you actually follow a very regimented schedule and you go into strict training. You don't just say, I'm going to run every day and then show up for a marathon. No, no. There's a plan, a specific plan you follow. You don't just wing it when you're training. You go into it, as Paul said, with strict training. By the way, you can be the busiest person in the world, but if you're training, you find the time. You make the time. Why? Because it's a priority. Because you're not just trying, you're training. If you are training to change, to become the better version of you that God wants you to be, if you're training to be more godly, there's a plan. You have a plan in place. You're not trying to get close to God. Physical training is good, but training and godliness is better. And so you say, I'm training to be more godly. So you get the gear. You download the YouVersion Bible app and you have it on the home screen on your phone. And you follow a daily reading plan. You have that in place. Uh, For some of you, you'll get a journal. And like we talked about last week, you're not going to write two or three pages because that's not going to, that's setting yourself up for failure. No, you're going to write two sentences. You're going to start, make it simple, make it obvious, make it easy. You might write three or four sentences, but you're never going to write three or four sentences if you don't write two or three sentences. So you get that journal. I was talking to somebody uh, uh, today, and they mentioned how with them and journaling and the process they were going through with, with a journey in their life on a specific topic that was very heavy and hard for them, they said, man, they go back and they look at that journal, and it's a testimony of what God was doing in their life. And I said, can you imagine not having that journal? You know what they said? They said, I would never have remembered all the ways God was working in me and changing me to become the person he wanted me to be. And so you're training for godliness. Some of you say, man, that's me. I'm getting the journal. You have a plan. You know when you're going to use it and how you're going to use it. When you come to church, you take notes because you don't want to forget what God says to you here today. If you're just thinking you're going to retain it right here, some of you, it might last for the afternoon, maybe. 
But those of you who take notes, you're like, man, I, oh, I'm so glad I wrote this down. I'm so glad I have a place to, to go and see again what God was saying and what he was reminding me to do or where he wanted me to go or what he wanted me to be. You have a plan. So what do you do with music? You set up worship playlists on your iTunes, your Spotify, your YouTube. Because you know, man, I have a plan. I want to be worshiping God, and I want to have a plan for that, and I want to go after that, and I want to be intentional about that. You train for godliness. I'm going to be here at church every day, every week that I'm not out of town. You set specific times aside. You're going to read God's word. You're going to pray, just like we saw last week with Daniel, who set the specific time aside. You're serving because as a man of God, as a woman of God, you know that I'm, you're training for godliness. You're serving the body of Christ. You aren't going to church. You recognize you actually are the church. And so you're serving because that's training for godliness. That's part of that humble servantness that God calls you to. You serve in LP kids or LP students. You're an usher. You're a greeter. You're on our hospitality team or our parking team. Hey, can we praise God for our parking team today out in the rain? Holy cow. One of them, it was in the bathroom right, you know, right before I came up. I'm like, dude, what's wrong with you? You know, I mean, he was just covered, but he was out there serving God, trying to clean off his glasses and everything. And he's training for godliness there. You're on the hospitality team, the parking team, the security team, the usher team, the worship team, the tech team, whatever the case may be. I think about uh, Lori back there. Lori comes in here every single week. And she by herself in this room, she makes sure there's notes in, in the chairs. She makes sure there's the get connected cards and the offering cards. And I look at that and someone says, oh, it's just okay. No, no, no. Uh, she may not think of it that way, but that's training in godliness because that's humility. That I'm serving God and nobody sees, but you know who sees? God sees. By the way, Lori, I see every time you come up, you park your white little car over there because I have the front view and I see you come in. And when I'm walking across, you know, and all that, God sees you. Amen. And I think those cards aren't, somebody's got to do it. And Lori does that. And somebody writes a prayer request and desperately needs the church praying. Someone says, I've decided to follow Christ. That's not there. How do we know? Somebody writes a note that transforms their life. Somebody says, I'm giving for the first time, and I'm taking that step of faith. Or somebody writes a check that's beyond their comprehension, but God's called them to do it. And those are sitting there. Training for godliness includes humble service to God, even when nobody sees it. But God knows. God knows. God knows. You have a plan. You're not just trying to be godly. You're training to be godly. You're training to be a godly Jesus follower. And that's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 26, so I run with purpose in every step. There's purpose with what Paul does. He said, I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete. You know, the whole identity thing, right? He knows. Training it to do what it should. Paul says, I'm not trying, I'm training. I got the gear. I have a plan. I'm training to win. So as we wrap this series up, final question for you. You're not trying, you're training. And I hope this is a question that you grab a hold of. I hope it's a question you allow the Holy Spirit to just overtake your heart 
that you take a picture, you write it down, whatever the case may be, and you just let God like sink this deep into you. Based on who you want to become, how are you going to train? I don't care about your trying. I really don't. It's a recipe for failure. I already know where your trying's going. I know where it goes with me. What I want to know is, how are you going to train? How are you going to get trained? What's the gear you're going to get? What's the plan you're going to follow? Based on who you want to become, how are you going to train? Get the gear. Follow the plan. Show up. And let God empower you to become the person God wants you to be. Remember we talked about early in the series, Christ through me, Christ through me. This is the game changer. Pastor Chris's perspective, opinion, this, what we're talking about in this series, what we're talking about today, this is the game changer for your life. So you decide, are you going to run for a participation trophy? If you want to use some other biblical language, to, to get into heaven as if escaping the flames, some of you know that verse. Or are you, man, are you running to win? I want to encourage you, run to win, to get the prize. Training sets you up to win that eternal prize. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.